What's up? And welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel. I'm Hillary. I'm Clinton. And we're going to start with a show and tell. So this is high school or middle school or preschool. Uh, so Hillary has a show and tell and we don't, but she has one. So it's show and tell. So what do you got? I feel you like got? you just spent that whole intro calling me childish, but I'm going to ignore that and go into my show and tell. Um, some people listening may know that I have a very expansive salt and pepper shaker collection. There's over 400 pairs. The first pair is from the 1930s. They were my great grandmothers from Memram Cook, who gave them to my mom because my great grandmother raised my mom. And then eventually they got passed down to me. Today, I decided to start trying to decorate for Christmas, figuring it out in the new apartment. And I remembered that I had a series of salt and pepper shaker collections that were Christmas themed. I did not find them, but I did find racist ones. And I thought I would bring them. So I knew that I used to have like minstrel vibe ones and I couldn't find that one, but I do definitely have like a black Aunt Jemima. So if you're watching the podcast, you'll be able to see it, but it's like black face, little old ladies, little ladies who are chefs. And I think that these are racist. They but are they're also from Curacao. They is that are... a place? I thought it was just a liquor. No, no. Curacao is an island. Of course, it's a, it's a place. Hey, hey, sorry. I've gone as far west as Toronto and as far east as Italy and nowhere further, like south or north. Oh, <laughs> just straight across. But anyway, yes, these are this is my show and tell. Um, these are part of my collection. I think I have to give these away now or throw them out because they uh, go against what I stand for, I suppose, as a person. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely. It, it is the, the black face on it. It's it's kind of it is kind of disturbing. Uh, again, it's I <laughs> there's a lot of African art that has a lot of black face mm -hmm. on it, depending on where it is, especially in the in the West Indies, uh, which hopefully in the near future will we'll start saying something about black art which is something that i've been kind of working on mm -hmm. uh but uh i mean yeah I, I guess if if you feel i feel uncomfortable watching them <laughs> but there could be a piece of art <laughs> so i guess that's the question that uncomfortable doesn't make you feel because something like that you gotta ask like where is it from who made it what purpose was so it made for did it support a black family's life down in Curacao. Um, it seems really racist to me. It makes me feel uncomfortable. So like Fidel said, that's probably an indicator to not give it away, but maybe smash it or throw it out. I mean, there if a white person would have it, I would be kind of upset. But <laughs> which is why. So they're one of the few pairs that like don't have a label on the bottom as to who gifted them to who. But regardless, it's either my white mother or my white cousin who had them. And so it's weird for me to think that my white mother, who then, you know, birthed a black baby, just had these chilling in a cabinet. Um, I may bring this up on our Thursday call, but as we know, she's got dementia. So she might be like, I don't know where those came from or who they belong to. So who's to say? I mean... Um, I mean, we all, I think we all ate, drank that, like ate, drank, <laughs> ate the <that> Aunt <laughs> Jemima syrup with our pancakes, you know, still, like, I, I remember seeing it sitting on the table and you know, something's wrong, but it wasn't the same social era of being able to communicate yes. that around the world and agree on it. So, you know, to your mom and whoever else's credit. 
wrong, no. but it may have been okay back then, and now you should definitely get rid of it. I'll just, I'm going to keep it here and quiz her on it Thursday, and I'll come back with answers, but that's my show and tell. Just, I had, I had racism in my own home. Not only is it internalized, but it was hiding in the closet. <laughs> No. That, that is uh that, that's quite a that's quite nice. quite a quite a show and tell actually I, I thank you say. uh but thank you for that i mean that's quite interesting it, it, you know i i guess you know when you have art like that or stuff like that people do your research because it might feel offensive to some people you know like who who knows uh speaking of that i will do a, a quick recommendation which i think we, we need to start doing black recommendations maybe we'll talk about it uh behind the scenes but for people that haven't please watch the kanye west drink champs interview it is hilarious <laughs> kanye goes off the rails so I, i saw a clip of it and i was so unimpressed that i was just like no 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 well I, I, what is it it's a it's an interview that kanye west did in a podcast called drink champs it's like a it drink champs is a it's like a hip-hop it's the premier hip-hop podcast right now uh it's where all the hip-hop stars go and get interview and it's like a long two two three hour interview so there's everybody from i don't know from q-tip to buster rhymes to puff daddy to birdman to anybody that's in been relevant in hip-hop has been in in that in that podcast and kanye went and kanye was kanye like literally he was yay he wasn't even kanye. he was yay yay he was literally <laughs> him and it's it's quite amazing how somebody is able to live the life he lives because it's very so we gotta post that on the page but someone yeah give us the calls notes I just want to say briefly that the main clip that I saw that I thought was really confusing was him saying that like that like me something about mental illness being real and then it cut to a clip of him talking about his new whack haircut and he was like oh I thought I'd get the Britney and I'm like how are you talking about your own mental illness in this way and then you're comparing your shaved head to when Britney Spears shaved her head in 07 which was also a mental health crisis like it was just so there was such a disconnect between him being able to be empathetic with other people but him asking for empathy about himself but I did not watch the whole thing so this is just an yeah, observation you, off of a one clip you you have you have to watch it because I mean it, and that's not even the that's that's just a clip and it, it it's it's I think because of the editing that's taken out of content but that's not even the relevant he says he the biggest regret in his life was signing Big Sean and John Legend like he goes off on them <laughs> uh he really goes off on them uh he goes off on Talia Kweli <laughs> He goes off on, he goes like, literally, he went off on a couple of people that I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, however, he is, I, I gotta, I gotta give it to him. He is a creative genius. He does give some good gems there as well, uh, which I, I definitely recommend it because I, again, he says a lot of stupid shit too. Like, don't get me wrong. He says a lot of stupid shit too. However, he says a couple of things that are pretty, pretty relevant. Uh, and and I, I think people should watch it if they have the time. It's quite long and it's quite entertaining because he goes off on a couple of people that I'm like, whoa, this guy is definitely he he has mental health issues. And I think he he took his medication, but he was smoking weed and drinking liquor. So I think that went off. I don't think that was a, a good recommendation. But again, that that is my recommendation uh, that I will say. So uh, again. <laughs> 
uh, we're going to go with a couple of topics now. The topics that we go now to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Now to the podcast. We had show and tell. We had recommendations. We yes. might do those segments. Who knows? Uh, what the fuck is going on in New Brunswick? I've been out of there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is happening there? <laughs> so uh, please, Clinton. Wild. Uh, Enlighten me. What the hell is happening? I haven't followed much over the weekend, but last week, Friday, um, the CUPE union workers went to, uh, went on strike. So among like, all the crazy COVID stuff, we already have to deal with the circuit breaker and everyone else. Now, the schools are closed. Uh, there's no janitorial services. Um, nurses were striking. Uh, the blood work clinics are closed. Uh, teacher's assistants, and I think I'm missing out a few. But uh, yeah, the streets are littered with people like protesting and on strike signs down Champlain Street. I think busloads and busloads of people broke our circuit breaker. And for anyone who doesn't know that, these are like zones within New Brunswick where you're not allowed to travel to see anyone. Um, so I can't, you can't go see like your friend down the street, but you can leave the province, no problem. You can go to Curacao to get some blackface pepper shakers. You can go to, you right. go to PEI. You can go anywhere and come back and not have to self-isolate, but you can't go down the street. Anyway, so they broke the circuit breaker, went to Fredericton, protested outside of there, um, and it's turning into an all-out war. Um, Higgs did mandate strikers back to work under the emergency measures act so he wouldn't have been able to do this had it not been for covid um cardi pulled some kind of a, a weird thing the day of the strike where the government announced a, a strike but cardi sent out an email telling people to go to work uh when they showed up for work they were um then laid off and so they didn't get the mandatory strike money that they're supposed to get within the union for for being on strike so 47 percent of the workers that yeah they crafted that hillary um they they it was a scam that um you, you <laughs> sorry i lost my train of thought basically he screwed about 50 percent of the strikers out of their their contractual strike pay and then he mandated them back to work under the emergency measures act uh there was an offer put on the table on friday is my understanding i don't think that's been accepted but in the and the cases are still high uh and oh last thing if y'all didn't know so the all the all-party covid committee roger melanson stepped down from the committee, the liberal leader. Uh, David Kuhn stepped down from the committee. They're saying this is all Higgs' fault. We don't want anything to do with this. I'm not sure if any other members stepped away from the party, but you're not kidding. It's a bit of a cluster. You know what? And uh, it runs a bit wild right now. Holy shit. Uh, I mean, I know the kids are not at school. Parents are out mm-hmm. of their fucking minds. Uh, because Oh, of- and oddly enough... <laughs> Sorry, this I'm so this is the last thing. Oh, so this strike thing, there is a little bit more. So this strike thing is working um, because conveniently the COVID packs that the uh, New Brunswick education system sent home for kids to be able to do online learning from home in the event of COVID is now being used for the strike. And I I have seen several like parents and teachers on my social media sort of saying like if you really wanted to help out. You would take this time to just, you know, 
put on Paw Patrol and not use those packs because those packs are still help like get, giving them what they want essentially. Less pressure for them to give in to yes. make the kids go back to school. Exactly. They're, technically, they're still getting an education. Yeah. And the schools are closed. Yeah. No. So I've seen lots of posts so that, that are sort of like some leverage to the yeah. Higgs government right now to not have to end this because the parents. The kids are they're they're in school. They're in school at home, just like with COVID. So yeah. there's not that pressure to end the strike. The parents aren't screaming like they normally would be if we weren't in this COVID circuit breaker and just COVID in general. Yeah. So that's the last thing because that's relevant. Um, so what were you what were you saying, Fidel? Uh, I mean, <laughs> again, if if you listen to this podcast, you know that we're not a fan of Blaine Higgs for his racist, uh, you know racist actions right, we would say uh now nicely. yeah yeah I, mean, I was gonna say his racist dumb ass like well, actions I, I think i think the i think the fact that is that uh one of the things that we we try to educate in this podcast is that racism comes in different shapes and forms right uh there's accidental racism there is systemic racism there's different types of racism i mean if blaine higgs was a guy an old man you know in his house and he might he might not even care about black people but that doesn't make him racist he might not even have a friend of thought but he's the premier of the province and he does a lot of racist actions and in you know towards systemic racism so not necessarily particular for him just his the government that he runs right uh so that's why i would say that so we're, we're not a fan of him you know technically we're not a fan because of his actions uh however this is way like I think he knocked it out of the park with this clusterfuck. Like he has never done something <laughs> so bad than this. Like, like literally everybody's pissed off, uh, and nothing is working. People are not working on a poor province that people need to work, and these are government jobs. These are like the safe, secure jobs that people, uh, you know, kind of grab about, and the unions and all that, all that crap. And uh, now we see we gave this guy a majority. Uh, and we all knew it was a power grab, but, you know, people and those people that gave him a majority now, they're like, fuck this guy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, it is quite again, I'm not in New Brunswick right now. I, I should be back to the cold soon. Uh, but it, it is quite amazing that this guy has been able to all this shit in so little time. It, it is it is quite ridiculous. So, I mean. Hillary, you're not you're in Ontario, which you have your own clusterfuck with Doc Ford that he's been he's been trying to just be out out just he's been trying to hide because of all the shit that he has done. Uh, yeah. Is this a part of a conservative? I don't think it is, but is it part of the conservative governments that this again? This is, happens in Alberta. It happened in Ontario, and now it's happening to us in New Brunswick, right? So it's like. It's just the fact that is this a conservative government type of go- type of way, or is it just the people that are leading that they're a bunch of assholes? Oh, that's a tough question because I uh, I think sort of both because like Dougie Ford definitely an asshat, um, but also does not really know how to lead this province through a pandemic. Um, I it's frustrating because it's like you said I have disliked Blaine this entire time. To see him get voted back in, I was a little bit like, you've all, you've made a terrible mistake, whoever voted for him. And this is not that this is like what you get or the consequences of those actions, but this is clearly not a good thing. I definitely am. I'm someone who would vote either liberal or NDP and would hope that these things wouldn't happen. 
as much as like we can blame a, a, a party and I it's like, well, I'm sure there are people in the conservative party that this wouldn't be happening to. But like this is also someone who only raised minimum wage of five cents. Of course, he's not going to give these people money or the demands that they want. He's proven time and time again that he doesn't care about the people who lead the country, except for uh, the Irvings. He only cares about the Irvings. So. I don't know. A lot of people have said that like the best way to protest this is not only that, but to hit the Irvings where it would hurt them and avoid, you know, using their paper products, using their gas, et cetera. But it's like they're everywhere and they own everything. So does that work? I think Clinton is agreeing with me that no, it wouldn't work. Unfortunately, go ahead. No, I was just going to say so like that. I don't, I don't really have an answer. Like Blaine sucks. Doug sucks. Is it Jason? Jason Kenny sucks. Conservative Party, in my opinion, sucks. I don't know that these three are the only people that represent the party, but it's a bunch of bozos. <laughs> I don't think that they treat the people in those provinces well. Clinton, what were you going to say? Nothing. It's just not going to work. The Irvings have their hand in everything, everything. Yeah. like literally everything. And I'm, I, I don't even know everything they have their hand mm-hmm. in, but just the gas alone. Um what are you going to, you're not going to go to the Irving gas stations. It doesn't matter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't every gas company in this province buy all of their fuel from Irving? Cause that's where they get it for the best price within this particular province. No, not really. Uh, how it works is that they own the refinery. So everything in order for you to have your, your, even if, if I'm, sh- if I'm a big corporation, that's not Irving, right? Um, let's say Exxon or Shell or BP or whatever, right? Uh, in order for me to get my fuel, my fuel needs to be refined uh, to uh, to actually to get to the final consumer. And the only refinery in New Brunswick and most of Atlantic so, Canada are earrings. So pretty much everybody the has to go thing. through They that. bring yeah. their crude oil into the province uh, and they get it refined. So Irving gets a cut no matter what. So the yep, punishment you much. could possibly do to them is so minimal. Irving gets um, a cut no matter what. Blame pigs. <laughs> that sounds like the kind of rap promotional video they they put on. But but I think I mean standing it, in front of a forest like a little blonde woman in front of a forest. Irving gets a cut no matter what. In in an aspect, I think again, and I can only speak for New Brunswick, and that's the reason why I ask because I, I feel like in New Brunswick it doesn't matter if it's liberal or conservative, or NDP or Green. Honestly, uh, in New Brunswick, because I, I don't care what party. I think the problem with our system is that it needs to be the people need to be aware of the system that they're at. And a lot of people don't know. It's it's easy to bitch and complain about a system. But when you don't know the system, uh, it, it is very, very difficult to change it. And most of the people that are in New Brunswick don't understand how the system works. And that's why people like Irving or like McCain and anybody else can take advantage of it because they know how it works and they 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 put it in their favor and they they kind of play with it in some sort, shape, or form. Uh, again, this might be different in Alberta, Toronto, and in, in you know in Manitoba or anywhere. Uh, but I think that's the that's the thing with New Brunswick. I think the reason why I ask is because I don't know if again Blame Higgs is is quite a character, honestly, and I don't know if the liberals would have done any different. Maybe they would have, uh, but it doesn't seem to be the case most of the time in, in, in this province. No. I think I just find the Blaine, it's just, a, it just continues to surmount. Like the COVID management at the beginning was sort of okay. And then it was like, 
indigenous thing after indigenous thing waiting for the commissioner on systemic racism and now this and the five cents and it's like it just hasn't stopped being bad thing after bad thing it's just now finally uh oh the whites are upset and they're on the street and now maybe change will come because more people are affected and i hope that they get what they deserve i hope that everybody gets like proper fair wages. I know it's not only white people that are being affected by this, but I do feel like this does feel different, but it just, he's such a bozo. (laughs) Just don't like him. I mean, Uh, the Higgs and the conservative government, they, they care. They don't care much about visible minorities, but they they don't care much more (laughs) about the white people either. It's if you're, if you're not, unless the white people are Irving's, established yeah boys club family member yeah. I, I you think, both maybe <laughs> yeah, i think it i think blaine hicks is just the image of the old white man in new brunswick i mean if if you see him it's a, an old white man that has powers and they run the things like they always run them before uh i think that's 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 just what it is at this point then we gave him a majority so i, I mean what it- Go ahead, Clinton. Go ahead. No, you go. No, no, I finish. I finish my 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 piece. Well, we gave him a majority. Like, yeah, it's not a dictatorship here in New Brunswick, but it kind of is the way he swooped in and like after one or two years, got another four years, like locked in the bag. And I don't, you know, vote of what a vote of no confidence, then no one's gonna vote him out. And if they try to the Irvings control the media and they're gonna be able to flip it and spin it in a way where it doesn't happen. Like it it's a it's kind of like a dictatorship and he's kind of behaving like an all-powerful dictator that doesn't have to worry about consequences. But but I feel Even- like, I, I will say this, I think we give too much credit to the Irvings when it comes to Higgs. I think, and this is a personal thought, I think it it's not really Blaine Higgs himself. I think that the main thing that we have to look at is like, if we have this guy X, in this case, his name is Blaine Higgs, but let's just say it would have been a random person. If it wouldn't have been the X in, I think people need to think, how do we get this guy out of there if he's not getting him? Like the easiest way, and this is the, uh, and whoever's listening, if you live in a small village that a conservative is governing, Blaine Higgs only has a majority by one person, right? Just one person. He has 27 seats. Uh, If you take one out, he literally automatically has a minority. All the people have to do is that one conservative MP has to say, I'm out of this party. I'm out. And that's it. They can do a vote of no confidence. That's, 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 that's as easy as it could get. Uh, And I, and I think that's what, I think that's what the problem, I think we give the, the earrings too much credit when we kind of have kind of like the power and the ways to do it. But again, most people wouldn't even know how to do it. Right. I think that's, that's one of the things that we, we have to be careful about. Like if, if we, and one of the things that Blaine Hicks did is that it was supposed to be his speech and he canceled it, which is where you actually have the vote of no confidence. So there's still time to do it, but again, nobody's going to do it. Right. But it, it it's, I think, like I said, I think we 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 need to learn as a as a community. We need to learn how do we get the system in our in in our way, and I think that's that's how things will start changing. So, anyways, fuck you, Blaine Higgs. It is what it is. <laughs> I it is second what, that motion. It is what it is. A third <laughs> it doesn't need a third to be carried forward, but. Yeah, yeah, it sure. is. It, it is what it is. All right, so we're gonna go to some celebrity news. 
recently, Ooh. Travis Scott Astroworld Festival happened in Houston, Texas. Uh, it had a lot of people. Drake was there, which is our Canadian, I don't know, our Canadian part, I guess. Uh, <laughs> a lot of artists, uh, Roddy Rich, again, many hip hop artists, but that's not the news, right? The news is, is that uh, 10 people died in uh, some type of, uh, you know, like, like a stampede. Uh, there's allegations that somebody was injecting drugs uh, uh, to people, which is not validated. It hasn't been validated, uh, including a 10-year-old that died in the festival. Uh, again, this is the latest thing that happens. You know, Travis Scott issued an apology. Some of the rappers donated money of their of their concert. So of the of their fees to the victims, uh, but this is quite tragic, uh, just because of the fact that this is like people are getting out because of COVID, and they wanted to have fun, and ten people are dead, and it, it, it is kind of tragic in the sense that again, I don't think anybody expected this, but one of the things that he's getting flack for is that, and I don't, and I'll say my piece on that in a bit, well, I'll let you guys is that that once this was happening. Travis Scott was singing and he didn't stop. That's what he's getting flagged for. Uh, so again, uh, Hillary, what's your take on this? So I'll, I'll start by saying that according to the CTV article that was updated today, it's eight that are dead, 13 injured, and the youngest is actually 14. I don't know what changed because I did see those initial articles as well that said that it was a 10-year-old, but this is saying a 14-year-old. Um, this article on CTV also says that the venue was holding 50,000 people, had the capacity apparently for 200,000. And so I'm just trying to figure out what would have happened if 200,000 people would have been there and they would have had it like to full capacity um, and it wouldn't have been during COVID. Um, my initial thoughts are that I'm, I, I feel like Everyone was probably extremely excited because of the pandemic and that could have caused some of the like rushing and trying to move to the stage that ended up like killing these people because I can't imagine there being any other reason behind that type of like rushing and movement throughout the crowd. I honestly don't really think that it's Travis Scott's fault. Like, I feel weirder about the fact that we're holding 50,000 people deep festivals, knowing the numbers that we're still experiencing in Canada. To me, that's weirder. I don't think that somebody performing on stage can see out of 50,000 people, eight people dropping dead. And I don't think the onus is on him to have, you know, been watching the crowd like a hawk and not perform and then stop the show or Drake, or any of the people that came on. I think that the whole event probably shouldn't have happened because of the pandemic in the first place, but not so much that he should have, you know, been able to know that people were dying. And there is video of him seeing somebody pass out and asking security to go help that person. I, I don't know if at that point he should have clued in, but I've... This is my moment to bring up One Direction. <laughs> Been to several of their concerts and some Lana Del Rey ones as well, where stretchers had to come and pull people out that were in the pit because they had waited 
like all day in the blistering heat to be, because it's like a, a GA pit and they wanted to be at the very front of the barricade. And then they get there and they've not consumed anything because they're 16 and they think they're going to survive and they pass out. I've been at those shows. I've been at one direction shows where they literally stopped songs and asked everybody to take several steps back so that the front wasn't crowded. So it's not that this is necessarily new. I don't know what could have been done to prevent this other than not have a 50,000 person festival during a pandemic. That's my thought. Clinton, what is your take? A lot of what you both said, and especially that it's really tragic. It's really tragic that these people are dead and so many are injured. Um, whether or not the concert should have been had, uh, like you said, Fidel, like there was probably a lot of pent-up energy and excitement about it. And yeah, I read some firsthand accounts of the incidents from people in the crowds and it was it was horrible. Um, it's definitely not anything new or that hasn't happened in concerts before. Um, it was a crowded space. Uh, I've, I saw lots of calls about Travis not stopping the show. And again, I don't know that that's true because I also saw a video of him calling to security for people he saw laying down in the crowds, not performing during that time, watching uh, to see what would happen, telling security that someone has passed out and to, you know, get them out of there, which is a standard thing to do. Um, I think a lot of the attack is on Travis Scott right now because of sort of the inciting themed tweets and posts that he puts um, surrounding his upcoming concerts. The rage he has, the energy, he wants to sneak people in who are going to go wild and go crazy. Uh, and I think people are sort of attacking him for that and posting all these clips of other concerts from the past of the band stopping, like helping out people in the crowd. But there's probably been like 15, 20, 25 stampede tramplings of people dying just in the past 10, 15 years alone. Uh, I'm not saying it's okay or it's right. I think like there needs to be more checks and balances, maybe as, as not just security, but more people on the side, looking out into the crowd, looking for potential dangers or maybe having specific job titles for people to stop the show. Like they have to stop the show if they see something bad happening. Because um, I remember like the punk era and the hard rock era, uh, the heavy metal era, mosh pits. This is this is moshing. Um, I've been in many mosh pits when I was, uh, you know, when I was growing up in the 90s and um, they can be crazy. They can be dangerous. They can be energetic. Um, and at the same time, you would think when people get knocked down, that it would be the crowd themselves, the people surrounding the people on the ground that need to. When you have like a mob wave of people being pushed, that's horrible. Um, Travis Scott needs to take responsibility for something that happened at an event that he is responsible for. But to say that it's his fault is a bit of a, a far stretch. Um, and in the end, it's just really tragic i think the reason why this is getting a lot of news coverage is because of course a lot of people died on something that you don't expect people to die in right uh and as clinton said and as hillary said uh, you guys said the same thing i mean many this is not new many festivals this has happened woodstock uh Lollapalooza. you can the, you can search uh death in concerts and festivals and I myself that I have worked in festivals, uh, you know, I don't think 
the Travis Scott claim that like he should have stopped the show. First of all, I have done shows of 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people. And it's impossible from the stage to see what the hell is going on. Sometimes the artist doesn't even see what the hell is going on because there's so much people and so much going on and you're focusing on your craft that you don't, you don't see. It's like a blur uh, sometimes. So that's, not, that's why you have security. That's why you have all of these things in place for you to do that. That's not the artist's fault. And again, sometimes uh, if you have 50,000 to 100,000 people, I don't think you will be able to see. You see kind of dots. That's how you see it. Like if, you, if you've ever been in a big festival on a stage and there's a lot of people, you see like heads, but you don't see a whole lot of stuff. Uh, so that's, I think that's, that's a little bit, but again, I think it's clip is click worthy news because it's, it has his name is his brand. Uh, and again, he's going to get most of the flack on it because that's what's going to happen. Uh, as far as the victims goes, I mean, this is a festival. They probably have insurance. Uh, the insurance will cover this, uh, will cover death and all of this stuff. What will probably happen is that somebody will probably sue him or sue the company, uh, just to get clickbaits, but that usually is going to get solved. Um, I think for me personally, the sad part is, is that it as people, especially younger people now, I don't think people are behaving in a certain way when it comes to safety in events. Uh, why do I say this? Because I've done events and the amount of people that go crazy, that they go really drunk or they take too many drugs or they go do crazy stuff or try to vandalize and stuff like that. That, that has happened forever. Now, the big problem with those things is that we see instead of other people stopping them, they let security stop them and they let, and, and, you know, and other people try to join in the crowd. Uh, and again, this has happened forever, but it says a lot about people more than it says about what exactly happened. Like if you know that something's happening that might kill people as a person, shouldn't you have the, the ability to say, Hey, look, this ain't cool. Like just stop. Or like, like as people, as, as people would just say like, Hey, like, we, we should kind of relax on this because somebody might get killed, right? Uh, but again, when people are drunk or high or, or just in energy, they don't do that. And I, I, think, that's the, I, I think that's the biggest take on it because it's not going to be the first time that this happened. It's not going to be the last time that it happens. Go ahead, Hillary. Well, I just, in my experience, so first of all, I've been to several events recently and two years ago when I lived here where security flat out was not doing the job that they were supposed to. So some of the rules and regulations that were like on the ticket were being completely ignored as people were being brought into the event. And so it's hard to ask normal civilians to check people's character, whereabouts, what they're doing when the like black and white rules that security are supposed to follow, but what they're letting in and out of the events is, is being completely ignored. Recently, a concert that I went to specifically said every single person was going to be asked to show proof that they were vaccinated. Not a single person got asked. And I understand that they moved the venue to being outside, but that like, even that small thing, could make somebody liable. And so it's not like, I'm not going to, and I know this isn't what you were really saying, but I'm not going to go around and start asking everyone around me if they're vaccinated. Like that's the job of the venue. At the same time, at every Canadian festival concert I've been to, if someone has passed out, every single person around them has always stood around them, protected them and yelled at security. 
what I just read is that because there were so many people, the security that was being yelled at at Astroworld ignored them until they saw that there were dead bodies and then were not even properly trained on looking for pulses because they were security and they were not like EMTs or medical professionals. So that's a, a whole different category of issues. And But like, it's like... I've been, I've been to several events. I've been, I've been the drunk person and I've been the sober person and you can't, you can't really check everyone, especially if the staff there isn't properly trained and doesn't know what to do or just plain like point blank isn't following rules. Like one, one event that really, really upset me was Veld here in Toronto in 2019, because it said on the ticket that you could bring food if it was factory sealed. And I remember at that point in my life, Hillary was not rolling in money. She was drinking her money. And so I made sure to set aside enough money to buy sealed food and bring it. And then they changed their mind and took everybody's food and just threw it all into a pile to be thrown away. And me being like still the person I am now kept thinking about like all these kids who had come who, you know, were like 19 and didn't have money for like $7 fries. They wanted to spend their money drinking and then they weren't going to have any sealed food to eat to sober themselves up. Like that's on the venue. You changed your mind based on what was printed on the ticket. And now these kids are hungry, high and drunk. And you're going to have to deal with that. And I complained. I pulled a Karen and complained. So for me, it's like the venue has to be held accountable to a certain extent. When you've got 50,000 people pushing though, that's different. Well, and, and I think there's two parts from that. Uh, uh, sorry, go ahead, Clinton. No, it's just like, it's really easy to be trampled. That's all I was going to say. Like when yeah. you have the weight of human bodies all pushing in one direction, like your leg can only take so much and then it becomes a domino effect. Uh, I totally agree with you, Hillary. And, you know, the people it's once it starts, it's hard to stop, but uh, it, it's, it's the venue. Uh, it's a little bit the artist. You're totally right, Fidel. All you, and there's all these lights in your eyes. It's hard to, it's, um, it's amazing that he could see anything. Um, it's just a crazy environment. Yeah. Like the, it's, you said everyone in the concerts you went to would stand around and help protect the people. That's that's really the only option. Well, and and I was gonna say to Hillary that, that, that there's two parts for that. Like, uh, there's one part that that yeah, when you talk about the venue, the security, and the and the infrastructure of how a festival or event is done, that's totally up to the person uh, that is doing the event. That is up to him. He needs to make sure that he has the right security. The right, uh, you know, the right health, the right personnel, everything, and that's insurance. That is up to the person. Uh, what I'm mainly saying is, like, when you go to a festival, and and this is dependent on the type of festival. Like, that's that's one of the things that I I had to kind of like see myself, and I saw it in Canada, which is the places out of all the places that I've seen it, is that you have these festivals like Belt, like Ultra Music Festival, like all all of these festivals that are very commercialized. And you have all of these kind of green grassroots festivals that people feel like it's like it's a smaller crowd. And when you go to those festivals, like folk festivals or like those hippie fests that you see them, uh, these are community-based festivals. These are festivals that they don't have as much as crowd as as 50,000 or something. They may have two, 3,000 people. Uh, but these people have something in common that they feel like this festival, they do it every year and it's kind of part of them. So they kind of protect it. Right. 
as it was theirs. They they are not making any money. They're actually paying money to go to this festival. They're actually, but there's kind of a clear rule, and in in some ways, Burning Man was sort of like that in the beginning as well. That there's sort of like this clear rule that you know, like if we protect this together, we can all have fun and we can come back. You know, that's that's really what what it what it come in, and and people obliged to that. I, you can call it invisible rule or no rule, and and uh, or like like the rule of thumb, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's that's one of the things that I was just focusing on. I think when it comes to people doing, going festivals, and again, it's it's hard because again, it, they're commercialized and people want to make money. This, people do this to make money. This is a business. Like I said, let's not get this twisted. They, they want to make money. That's the whole point. Uh, I think it's difficult on those scenarios, but I also think it's, uh, as people, we have to be held accountable. If we want this to stay, to be sustainable and to be, you know, and to want to come back to this, we should all have, again, some kind of rules on saying, hey, you know, whatever happens, not cool. It's super hard to do, especially in those in those kinds of scenarios. But hopefully, again, I hope people learn from this. This is not going to be the last time that this will happen. Like this is this is going to happen again somehow, some way. Uh, but hopefully people learn from this and, and you know, hopefully the families, because I, I feel like there's a lot of young people that are going to be dead. I, I, I there's a 14 year old who knows the age of the other ones. That's I think that's one of the saddest parts as well. Go ahead. It goes up to 27. I read so 14 to 27, eight. So that's like everybody under 30, quite young. And then there's still the 13 that are injured that like they just haven't been released. Yeah. So that there you go. That's so young. That's a lot of young people that that probably had a full life to live, and you know they wanted to have fun, and they that I think that's the 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 tragic part that these people didn't live their full life just because they went they went and they went someplace to have fun and they weren't expecting that. So again, uh, hope we'll we'll see how this evolves. I think there's going to be more news, more stuff. Uh, we'll see how Travis Scott gets out of this. I think he will. I'm pretty sure he will, unless he does something stupid, which I doubt. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think everything's gonna be clear. Uh, so, from a tragic part, let's go to racism. Oh wow, yeah, we talk about that. Yeah, that's this part of that this podcast is. And uh, we're gonna go to the you know we're gonna go back to our homeland, which is Canada. Uh, and the military is investigating, the military police is investigating dozens of complaints of racism in, in the Canadian Army. Uh, this was a CBC article saying that the military police and civilian law enforcement have investigated up to 70 cases of alleged hateful conduct, racist attitudes within the Canadian Army since the crackdown began in September of last year. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, around 115 cases and they are investigating 70 of them. This is not new. Uh, again, this is not new in the Canadian uh, Armed Forces. Uh, there was a guy that just recently got arrested or got sentenced because he was uh, doing racist things and was plotting some kind of terrorist attack. And he was part of the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, this is not new, but it it's still, again, it's our military right like it's it's still our military it's not a new thing but it's the people that's supposed to defend us no matter what color or race or whatever it is happening uh up to them so clinton what do you think about this it's more of the same that we've ex been experiencing forever from the first day that a black person was allowed into the military that is the day well probably that's not the i was gonna say that's the day that racism in the military started it probably started before that um 
it's the next step. It's the next chapter. And it's really sad. I don't, I can't remember all the details right now, but I know that Black people being in the military was one surefire way, especially here in Canada, that Black people tried to get respect to show that they were equal, to show that they were competent, uh, more intelligent than white people took them for, more able to perform, able to fight, to be brave, to be strong. Um, And while it did gain some status and respect, just like sexism and sexual abuse in the military, the organizations in countries, in theory, designed to protect its citizens, that there are so many accusations of racism and mistreatment being held back from higher positions. It's tiring. Just do a, anyone at any time can do a Google search of racism in the Canadian military. And you'd be hard pressed to find a year or two that went by without there being a major news article about it. So it's sad that it continues. I hope we can make steps to weed it out over time. We will see. And that's really my two cents on it. It's nothing new and it's nothing that has gone away. Hillary, what's your take on it? This isn't really news. Um, What I will say that I found interesting in the CBC article that we shared on our Facebook page, and if you're listening to this and you're not following that, follow us on Facebook. Um, This says that, so the person that CBC was speaking to says that she noted One of the more notorious recent cases involved a naval reservist in Calgary who had been a member of the neo-Nazi group Adam Waffen Division. So it's not just that like racism is happening. It's also that the military either isn't doing extensive background checks into who was part of the military and is letting them be part of neo-Nazi groups or they're seeing that they're part of neo-Nazi groups and they don't give a fuck, which I'm leaning more towards. And I think that's more problematic, but it's like, it's the military, it's the police, it's the the white people in power. They don't like the other people on the land and they want to keep the power. It's not surprising. I would be more surprised if they were like, guys, this year we did it. Not a single shenanigan, not a single racism. Congratulations. Because that's never, like, what reality is that? I would find that so hard to believe. Like that episode of The Office where they're like, we haven't had one like joke or whatever all day. Like that's never, that's not going to happen. This isn't shocking at all. It's unfortunate. And I feel like horrified that they're letting neo-Nazis be part of the military that is supposed to be keeping us safe. But, you know, Canada. (laughs) I mean, this is not new. It's not news that we haven't talked about this before, uh, but I, I do have a question for you guys. If you have children, Clinton, you have children, I have children, Hillary, we did, if, if you have children, yeah, if you have cat, or eventually if you have or, or children, if you choose I'd like to. to, yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, would we encourage our children to go to the military? No. <laughs> why would that be? Go, go, like, why? So I read a meme. I hope that this doesn't offend anybody, but that the military to men is only fans to women because you join the military and you get promised an education and you get abs and all you really get is trauma. And it's the same thing as sex work for women. Like it's marketed as like almost as if it's easy work, except it's obviously not because you are risking your life, but it's supposed to be this very like 
not easy in terms of like mental difficulties or labor, but an almost simplified way to guarantee that your education is paid for, that you're a respected member of society and that you have power. And I don't think that that is like the number one way to get those things. If those are your goals that you would like to attain as a person, I also would not uh, prefer my children to be in the military because one is a black woman, not pro the people in power. I wouldn't be able to have this conversation straight face and then be like, you know what? Um, <laughs> you know what little Daisy? Cause that's what I'd like to name my daughter. I think that you should go be in the military. I would not be able to say that to her cute little face. I, that would be disingenuous of me. I don't, I wouldn't be down if my kids really wanted to be police off officers either. I, yeah, they're respectable jobs. I know that there are some good people who do those jobs. That is not the future I would want for my children. What about you, Clinton? I would not encourage my children to be in the military. Um, I would definitely always encourage my children to do productive things to help ensure the well-being of this country that we live in. And while I do agree that countries need to take steps to protect their interests, uh, sometimes in methods that translate into force, although we won't, we won't make the joke. We know Canada doesn't have much of a military. Um, it just would be too scary. And not even for the idea of them getting hurt or killed or dead, but just for the kind of like psychological traumatic abuse that these people in these isolated places uh, under absolute authority and rule of their military leaders um, can be abused and hurt or held back or there is the trauma of war um, or even just seeing crazy things when you get assigned overseas. But I couldn't bear to, with all the stories that you hear come out of it, to have them in environments like that where it's hard enough as it is out here, like in Canada, um, in terms of just the racism that we we can, we can receive, it's just to have them in those isolated environments and possibly being having the pressures of war, plus also being psychologically abused with racism. That's too much. That's, that's crazy. Um, I have relatives, um, black and white, who have been in the military and they're strong, great, amazing, well-rounded people. And I am thankful for that kind of service, but I couldn't for my own children recommend that. And I mean, that that's something that, that I would be quite terrified if my children tells me that they want to follow, uh, you know, be in the military. I wouldn't encourage it myself either. And, and I think that's a question that as Canadians, we have to kind of bear ourselves like this was supposed to be an honorable, very significant thing, like you're defending your country, patriotic type of thing. Uh, and now we're like, wait a minute, uh, PTSD, trauma, sexism, uh, racism, and all these things that are coming out. Like, and, and again, these are the people that protect our country, uh, which is supposed to be this grandiose, proud thing to be. But now we're saying, wait a minute, uh, this might not be what we want our children to be. Uh, go ahead. Just, but also like protect Canada against who? Like, I understand in the past and I understand like terrorism, et cetera, but like, I don't see that many people being like, we're going to come and fight on at Canada on Canada. I feel like we 
are always putting our nose in other people's business and being peace corps and helping other countries. And that's good. But I don't, I just don't get the sense that today in 2021, it, it comes with the same connotation as it did when it's like protect your land. At one time, there was literally world wars and there was mass genocides. And in 2021, it's like, oh, Canada's the one committing the genocide against the indigenous. Who are we fighting? Who are we sending people to fight or who are we protecting ourselves against? I just... I think we keep trying to move to be better and to do better and become more self-aware as a, as a society and as a people. And I hope that as that continues to happen, we realize that maybe putting all this money into military and funding the army and doing all of these things are less relevant because maybe we could just be nicer people. Maybe the wars aren't being picked against us. Maybe we won't have to think about sending our kids for these jobs. Maybe, maybe it'll be like the war against AI and they'll just be there being like, I'm defending the country and they're just on Twitter. That's what I would like safe in their room with like a bowl of soup, helping the world, but like on the internet. <laughs> well, uh, is, I will, I will say, uh, I will say this to Hillary. Like, like this is, this is a thing. And, and this is a piece of history that, that a lot of people may know, but they may not remember when Hitler, uh, he took over France. He took over mm -hmm. a couple of countries. The United States was not involved in the war at all. They weren't involved at all when hitler was taking his reign when the nazi party got reign the united states was not involved at all they were well that's europe's problem they'll deal with it right so it came to a point that hitler's ego went big that he's like well um i'm taking over europe i might as well go north and get my ideology and that's when the united states said wait a minute uh we are not there but he can come after us Uh, mm -hmm. And that's when they got involved and, you know, the Battle of Normandy. And that's what I, I yeah. think the, the reason why we have armed forces is not because we want to fight. I don't think that, that that's not the I don't think that's the whole point of the armed forces. The armed forces is to protect. And you got powers like China that may not even get into Canada or may not be even thinking about Canada at, the, at this point in time. They're like, well, we don't care. But if they get enough power. They're like, well, let me get this water that's in Canada and let me get their asses. So, so that's what that's the reason why the military is not really to uh, to to try to pick fights. It's more to kind of defend uh, against interests that people have got again, and not not something that they plan to, but it's just just in case it's there. Go ahead, Clinton. Sure, but it's a big it's a big just in case. It's also kind of like, you know, Canada's got to be there at the defense party. You know, we clearly don't have enough of a military to protect our own country should some outside influence want to take us over. Uh, we are protected by the United Nations and we're protected by our big brothers down South America as much as we want to complain about them. And in return, they expect us to contribute what we can from our GDP that's much smaller than theirs to kind of protect this northern border of the United States and in turn get their protection. You know, we, we border with Russia um, from the north, like once all the North Pole melts, like that's Russia, depending on how you're looking at the earth, like they're right over the hill there. And then even over like Alaska way, um, got to watch the waters, we got to watch the land and we got, we got to just do our part, contribute. If we contributed nothing, United Nations and America would be like, okay, whoever wants, just walk on in, go ahead. Or they would take us themselves. Like we just, what I'm trying to say is that we got to 
we got to they have to see that we're spending some money to try to contribute to this like global defense of the Western world. Uh, and on the other hand, like you said, Fidel, like Canada is one of the purest, most untapped pieces of land in the planet. We have so many natural resources in our country that are just have never been touched ever. Um, again, not that we could protect those on our own, but yeah, we need defense for things like that as well. To clarify, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying no army. I'm just saying that it's it, no, I know. I just wanted to say that it just seems to me that it's lost the honorability because it is more about like defending against natural resources and less about like, hey, World War Three is coming. Send every eligible man and, you know, all the women become nurses and start start building stuff like we're shutting down everything. We could barely handle the shutdown of a pandemic. I just don't feel like that reality would ever happen yeah. again. We could barely stay inside for two weeks. It's been two years. What war? <laughs> I, I mean, like, well, the economy is set up in a way nowadays that it's actually more costly, even for the more powerful country to go to an actual war. Um, than just to use like economic sanctions and trade agreements mm -hmm. in ways that they can like the point of war in most cases is to benefit your country to take resources to take money to, to, to take the people and nowadays that's not as practical with the united nations but yeah it, it's it is a weird scenario to be in and on paper if we could all just be nice to each other that'd be great <laughs> That's, oh, but we are animals. We are humans. We are we're humans, and that's never going to happen, unfortunately. Look, this so. is what I say, people. I think uh, if you believe in God, Allah, Buddha, whatever you believe on, I think God said, "Fuck you guys. Here's this pandemic. I'm tired of you guys. Let, chill out for a bit and just send us." Whoa, just send that us was not God. Right, right now. That, that was, was not God. That was Mother Nature saying, "I'm keeping y'all inside so I can rebuild shit. the ozone layer." No, 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 and no, 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 that, that's what I said, like to my Muslim friends, I just said, I, I think Allah was like, fuck you guys. I'm tired of you guys. Here's this pandemic. Chill out for a bit. <laughs> but no. But, yeah, but no, it just it definitely seems like you could theorize that this is the earth cleansing itself of a virus. Yeah, yeah. like whatever <laughs> and virus. What, and we're the virus fighting back. But whatever you believe on God, Jehovah, I don't care whatever you believe on, because I don't I, I, I don't I don't stand to certain religion. Uh, but I, I will say this. Uh, I think one of the things with when it comes to modern warfare is that that like we there's wars going on like 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 we are lucky enough that we don't we're not in one <laughs> uh, necessarily. But there is war going on and, and we may not see it. There may be there is a cyber wars going on in different countries that we don't even hear about or talk about or even up, but there is like let's not get this twisted yeah wars are going to happen all the time <laughs> there i know i just meant now. global world war yeah yeah, yeah. go on You're, i totally it was all kind of cyber wars and there's wars being fought um over you're totally right, and if I if it made it seem like war war has ended, but not a chance. Yeah, yeah that, that that's um, what people like. I, I think people think like, oh, like we we're not at war. We don't need. I'm like, oh no, there's there's wars going on. We just don't talk about it or care. Like in like Ethiopia, there there's a war right now in fucking Ethiopia. We don't give a fuck because we're in in the other side, right? So, but there's always something going on. But I think back to the topic is like, I think it's a shame that 
the military that's supposed to be this this thing that we're supposed to be proud of now we're like ooh, like uh, we don't want to do that like we definitely don't want our children to do that either <laughs> so it, it is it is kind of shameful that that is what it, what it's taken into and I, i guess change has to be imminent because again i i wish what hillary said i wish we would have that world but uh, it, it's just right now I don't know if we'll, like I said, I think I agree with Clinton. I think we're humans and we're pieces of garbage sometimes and we're still going to fuck up some, some stuff. But, but what about that is shameful? Like I, it's, it's one thing to, to feel like the army as a business model is such a crappy employer that I wouldn't trust that my kids could go to work without mass trauma, experiencing racism, sexism, uh, homophobia, transphobia, et cetera. There's that problem. But then also there's the fact of like, I don't know that I want my kids to put their literal lives on the line every single day. Like, I don't, I don't know what it was about like olden days patriotism, which I think it like, which is what I'm sort of trying to say that I don't know if it's just the way that we've advanced that because we Canada as a society feel that we're in less imminent danger, um, that that's less prevalent, but I, I don't know, like, I've never thought of that job to be that honorable. I think it's, I think it's like, it's, It's honorable to put your life on the line, but I would never sign up for it. I would never want my kids to sign up for it. If if the army was the most respectful place on the planet, they loved every color, every ethnicity, no matter who you loved. It wasn't an old boys club. You're still about, you might die any minute. I would not sign up anyone I love for that. I would not sign up for that. So like, yes, there's the honor of putting your life on the line, but it also for me is like a bit crazy as a concept. I'm not that patriotic. I don't I don't care that much about this country that I'm going I, to sign up for this. I guess in theory, if every army in the world loved all cultures and all people and all belief systems and all points of view, it would be that perfect world you're talking about, right? So there wouldn't be I any armies or, war, or, or, if, or wars or anything like that. But you're right, it, it is a lot of like masculinity and PR marketing that's not just going back from like the past couple hundred years, but you go to your Braveheart days, right? Like sure. it's it's convincing people to die for someone else's cause for people in power uh, who are, have absolute authority for you to give your life when you have this little shack on a village side or in a, in a yeah. jungle to die it's it's it is a it is a, bu a big pr marketing business models like I mean, it's an honorable yeah. task but at the same time i believe i can hold both thoughts of there is honor in that but that's also the dumbest thing i ain't dying for a piece of land but, but <laughs> people who join the army um, they're not necessarily dumb like they are kind of if they're willing if they are if they're for the right reasons willing to lay their life down for their fellow citizens there, that there's honor in that there's but honor that in that but boy the concept oh boy of the honor <laughs> It doesn't mean the concept of the army is honorable. But I, they... I, I think some 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 things we gotta we gotta look at the bigger picture because if, if we go to that theory, I mean, and I and I think you're right, Hillary, in in that sense. Why would people go and die for something? But if you look at gangs, people died in gangs, which is stupid, right? The Taliban, uh, which is stupid, or like uh, or like other Hamas and all the other groups that people. Mm -hmm literally put their lives uh, because they believe in certain and they have certain beliefs. Like we would say, again, to each his own, I basically don't think I should get killed. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't put myself on a suicide bomber thinking that, mm -hmm. you know, I want to be like that. That definitely I, I could see that. Uh, but I think that's our opinion, of course. But there are people there that once they have certain beliefs that they will defend that belief till you know, the ultimate price, which will be death or, and they will feel honored to be that. And again, that's not necessarily our 
our perspective, but there are people that there, and those people should be able to 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 do it. However, mm-hmm. I, I think the the bigger picture is that is that we still believe that the military is like men. That's the first thing. Like, hey, first of all, there has been women forever doing shit there. <laughs> so, like, that's that's the first thing I think that the the, the Canadian Armed Forces need to kind of get. Like, like it's not just men. <laughs> like, it's it's just not. Like, it, that's not. Mm-hmm. Women have been there. They have done tremendous contributions uh, to uh, the armed forces. The second thing is that I I feel like we. Or not we, because we're not we're not in the armed force. I think the armed forces itself need to kind of reimagine what it's like to be in the military. I think, and not just for Canada. I think Canada should start because we're in a very good position. Uh, but other countries as well need to reimagine what is the military. Why are you there? Uh, because again, mm-hmm. I, I think the military uh, has done a lot of bad things but has done a lot of good things because uh in especially with people of color uh people of color didn't have a shot uh in the early you know in the 20th century if it wasn't because of the military uh if you got the great bob marley song buffalo soldiers it talks about slaves uh defending fighting for survival and that's what eventually abraham lincoln declared the independence because these people were willing to die uh, and defend a land that wasn't theirs, right? Uh, the first world and, and things like that. I, and I think, I, I think, basically, the military. You know, they have done a lot of horrible shit, but there has been good. A lot of people. It has extended people of color. Uh, some of them getting out of the poverty, getting education, di- different things. However, uh, there needs to be some kind of reimagining of it because, again, there is problems that have been there forever, and it's they're still going to be there if it doesn't change. So. I think that's that's the way. Hopefully, it does. Uh, I think we should interview a black military person. Uh, if you hear us and you're part of the military, please uh, contact us. Uh, black in the Maritimes at gmail.com. It will be definitely an interesting conversation to have. Uh, somebody that has been of color and has been in the military. So please give us a shout out. So uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see how this goes. So we're going to go to our last topic, which is an asshole called Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's a fucking football player. I don't even know why we're talking about it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. I don't even like American football, to be honest with you. But however, he has been anti-COVID anti-things and spreading this misinformation just like joe rogan has uh and actually he's a friend of joe rogan which is kind of the funny thing as well uh he just recently got covid <laughs> and he didn't get like he and he went to a podcast talk a bunch of bullshit he got covid and now he can't play so i don't know hillary what's your talk about this bozo um, I, I think my main thought is just that I, like, I sort of hope that the NFL had enough protocols in place or the, the, the whole team's got to sit down because it's a sport. I don't understand. Um, I, I don't want to wish ill on anybody, but I find it funny when the anti-vaxxer, anti-COVID people catch it. <laughs> I'm sure that this man is in perfect health. He's got lots of money. He can he's probably going to bounce back and feel better but it is comical. There is comedic irony in the fact that the people who keep saying, I don't believe in this shit, keep letting me do whatever I want to do, then have to face these repercussions and eat their own words. Granted, he might be one of those people who's like, I still don't believe in the vaccine. I was able to bounce back. Whatever, this proves that I'm fine. 
Um, I think that the NFL should probably be accountable in some regard for letting somebody play who caught it, who is also anti-vax just because of the fact that it's a contact sport, and I don't, you can't guarantee six feet of distance. And I pretty sure that sport is happening right now, but I don't know for sure because I don't even have a TV. Um, but yeah, I like what an idiot. That's it. I mean, Clinton, what what's your take on this? I mean, I think we all got to agree on this bullshit. I I simply was going to say I don't give two shits. Lots of people caught COVID and lots of anti-vaxxers caught COVID. But am I misunderstanding? Hold on. Did he catch COVID and was still permitted to play after getting a positive test result and the NFL was aware? That's not what I just heard you guys say. I was I was just simply saying that I he, they were aware he was not vaccinated and letting him play. So that already makes him uh, a liability. I don't sure. know. Like he could have he could have played and had it. It takes up to there's a seven day incubation period. You were running that risk of letting him in proximity of people for a week before you get that positive result. Yeah, but I'm also sure they get tests every day, right? I don't know if they're in, probably not living in bubbles like when the sports first open up and stuff tested, like that. If you're tested every day, you can rem, like you can it can take up to seven days for you to get a positive test and you can have it in your system. That's the whole problem with this illness. Okay, I'm not going to take up our listeners' time with any opinions from me. <laughs> I don't. I don't give two shits. I don't want any. I don't wish you ill will or death on anyone hope he recovers i hope he doesn't spread it and give it to other people who get really sick or have lifelong side effects as a result of that but don't care i will agree on that i don't give a flying fuck about the nfl i don't give a flying fuck about the cfl i don't give a flying fuck about any fucking sports star that doesn't give a fuck about vaccination uh as regard to the nfl colin kaepernick still under unemployed they still racist. That's what I give a shit about. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Uh, again, I think, you know, these guys are going to do what they do. He lied. Well, whatever. It, it, it is what it is. I think that it's uh, it's just a sport and people should stop idolizing. Or it's entertainment. Just get entertained. I I made the mistake of like Googling it. So he he may have lied about being vaccinated, which would be extremely problematic to lie about being vaccinated and then catching it and not. have have lied about it at all but also Stephen King the author pointed out that uh Colin Kaepernick has been out of pro ball for 500 plus days but Aaron Rodgers could do this and just like come back within a week of his first negative test again Mm -hmm. it's the NFL I don't give a flying ass fuck Colin Kaepernick is unemployed (laughs) It, it is what it is I'll watch the Super Bowl because of the commercials and that's pretty and Dr. Dre this year I might not even. I might even skip that too. But we'll see. We might. We might see it. We might not. I want to see him in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably get a drink and watch the commercials and don't give a fuck about the NFL. It could go tomorrow, and I would care less. So, uh, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, please uh, like us on social media: Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter at Black and the Maritimes. Uh, please subscribe to Spotify, Apple. Uh, podcast, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, And uh, don't forget to give us a like and comment. Uh, so hopefully you guys like what we do. Uh, please donate on Patreon or PayPal. You guys have anything else to say? Clinton Davis. Peace. <laughs> Cropberry. Peace. <laughs> uh, 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 uh.
Fuck the NFL. Sprint sweet what? If people want to find me, they find look up look up Quentin Davis. You find him. Wait, I fuck the NFL. Fuck I'll Blaine Hanks. Yeah, yeah. We've got a list this, yeah. this week. Fuck them, fuck them both. All right. Peace.